again thank you for this morning and for the opportunity to be here God and I do pray Father for those that aren't feeling well this morning God and I do lift up uh, Melissa to you God and her family and those that um, aren't well I pray that you would um, just touch their bodies and heal them Lord um, I just pray Father that um, just the infirmity would go that they would be strengthened Lord Father, and I pray for those um, just among us this morning that aren't feeling well, that you would just strengthen and um, heal them, Father. And again, I just uh, thank you um, just for the successful um, procedure for Rob, Lord, and for his surgery, Lord, and that you're continuing to heal him. And um, for this opportunity just to be together this morning and uh, just to focus and fix our eyes upon you and you alone, for you truly are creator of all things, heaven and earth. And we honor you and we praise you for that, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
May that be true about us, Lord. Jesus, we love you. Father, that you've heard the call to come and to follow you. God, that we love you with our whole heart. That our loyalties are not divided. But God, that we are all in. God, that we have laid everything else aside to follow you. Deny ourselves to pick up our cross and to follow you, Lord Jesus. God, that you would have your way in and through our lives, that your kingdom would advance with the simple preaching of the gospel. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For guiding, for teaching, for empowering us, for boldening our witness, for strengthening our our feet that we may stand, and that we would persevere, Father, through all things to accomplish your will in this generation, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're heading this morning. We're going to start at verse 16. And Carrie, depending on how my mouth does. I may need you to read scripture for me this morning, but I'll let you know. So I actually had a video prepared for us to watch this morning because I wasn't sure how after having my surgery my mouth was going to, to be. But my heart is heavy in a good sense as I have been meditating and reflecting on the gospel and how simple it is that what Jesus came to accomplish that's the message we have for others a message of true freedom a message of complete deliverance, a message of hope of being born again. And as we plan on the next week or two to get back into our study of Scripture, I kept reflecting back on the life of Abraham and how even in Abraham's time, and yet we see it all through Scripture, but since we've studied Abraham, 
how we've seen that Abraham was able to live as unto the Lord in a generation that was wicked and vile. And we see it again all through Scripture that God's people are able to withstand the generation in which they were purposed for. That do, they do not give in to uh, themselves and to their desires, but they, they stand firm. Now, it doesn't mean that they were perfect. It doesn't, and we've seen Abraham make mistakes, but his heart and his desire was to honor God. He was a man of faith. He walked by faith and not by sight. He obeyed. And as we look at our generation, and as we've talked about it, and the more I, I, I see the news, and the more I'm in prayer, the more I recognize that it, I don't take it lightly when I say this, that it's getting darker out there. And deception is a major stronghold. But I think where it has really overtaken is in the church and the lives of believers. We know that the, the world is lost. We, we know that they are deceived, but the church shouldn't be. But yet we're warned all through scripture as well that there will be those false teachers that there would be those who would come in to, to pervert the truth, to add to what Christ has done, to no longer make the gospel simple, but to take God's word and to twist it for their own good, to deceive as many as possible. And we recognize the influence behind that, Satan. We recognize that we are in a battle. We recognize that we have an enemy. We recognize that there was a created being who thought he could overthrow God. And in that, he was exposed. And in that, that same cosmic battle that's been in play is still in play until the appointed day in which God says enough like God is in control but in knowing that then we have to understand that we must depend upon our God and so we can look at the life of Abraham and we can say God if Abraham in his generation could stand then certainly God in our generation we can because we have the Holy Spirit like those who've accepted Jesus has received the Holy Spirit, we have been born again, no longer a slave to our desires, to our wants, to our needs, but a slave to Christ, to righteousness, and not being forced, but truly a desire to love Him. When we think about what Jesus accomplished and what He did, He did for you, He did for me. Not that we would remain who we were, but that we would be new creations. That we see it again all through the New Testament. New creations, holy, pleasing as unto the Lord. Ask yourselves this morning, 
for the few of us that are sitting here, are you living a life that is holy and pleasing to God? Holy and pleasing to God. Set apart. And you recognize in and of yourself, wherever your mind went, as you heard that question, you recognize in and of yourself, you can't, but he can through you. There's nothing in our flesh, there's nothing in our in us that, that would live holy and pleasing as unto the Lord. So you're either governed by your flesh or you're governed by the Spirit. Whom are you submitting to today? We know and we've studied over and over and over again the works of the flesh. And yet, the question is, are we deceived? I read an article the other day and it was quite fascinating the gentleman was talking about the wrath of God and that so many times we think of the wrath of God as, as you know, the, the destruction. But he challenged, the article challenged us not just to look at the wrath of God as that destruction as it is, but also see it for what it is when the Bible talks about that he turns them over to their desires. That that's the wrath of God. That he has abandoned them to their desires. That they are living how they want to live. Being who they want to be. Giving themselves to whatever they want to give themselves to. But they're set apart from God. That God had abandoned them. And when I was reflecting on that, my heart just broke. Because I think, wow. So many times we, we go our way, we, we do ourselves, we want what we want. But I pray that God would not abandon us. Like when you think that the word of God says that his love endures forever. Like he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And yet there will be those who would continue to harden themselves towards God. Those who would, who would just be hearers of the word and not doers of the word. The Bible says in Romans that Roman 1, when he did abandon them, that they knew God. But they chose not to follow God. They chose to create a God in their image. They chose to worship the created instead of the creator. And so God abandoned them. And I go, wow. Let it not be said of us, God. Let it not be said of us. But may we be the people who, who, who truly understand the, the, the charge that is set before us. To preach the gospel. To, to declare the goodness of God. To, to, to truly live as, as, as like, an, like Abraham who lived in his generation, as David lived in his generation, as Ruth lived in her generation, as we see these people of God throughout Scripture live in their generation, faithful as unto the Lord. And we know Jesus himself already declared and, and, has, and has instructed us that in this world you will have trouble. That preaching his gospel is not going to be an easy task. It's actually, we're going to feel resistance. We're actually going to be 
pushed up against. But we're not to be people who give up or give in. No, we're to be people who are to persevere. And I love how Paul instructs the church in Ephesus. After he goes through this incredible understanding in chapter 2, even though we're not going to go to chapter 2, but he talks about being made alive in Christ. He talks about the oneness and peace in Christ. He talks about um, how the Gentiles are being engrafted in and this beautiful picture of, of God's mysterious plan being revealed. And after he lays this out to the church, this is what he says here. I'm actually going to start in verse 14. This is Paul's prayer for spiritual growth. He says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. When I think of all of this, when I think of what Christ has done, when I think of, of the revelation of God through Christ, when, when I see such perfect unity come among the Gentiles and, and the Jews, when I see God's work and, and, and purpose being displayed through the lives of, of, his, of his children, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven, and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Now look at that there. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Again, we see no dependence upon ourself to live a religious life. No, we see a relational aspect of, of, of this relationship that we have with God and whom we are depending to empower us with strength through his spirit. And it's through this, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. And it's in that, it's when our roots begin to get established and they grow down into God's love. And it's in that knowledge, it's in that maturity that we're kept strong. And may you have the power to understand, and as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. The simpleness of the gospel. God's love. And yet God's love is being perverted. And yet it has been perverted. And yet it keeps being distorted. But the reality of God's love, God's love, and the love of God that he would send his son Jesus to die for us. The love of God that, that, would, that he would endure such punishment. That he would literally lay his life down for us. That God would choose to take upon our sins so that we would be made right with him. God's love the simpleness, again, of the gospel. 
listen to that verse there. That as, <clears throat> it says, then Christ will make his heart, his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. <clears throat> and you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. God's love. Your roots should be growing down deep in it. Not putting human attributes on his love, but truly understanding God's love. Now think about this as, as we're really reflecting on that this morning, as I opened up earlier, that God had abandoned them. He, he turned them over to what they desire because they were not loving God with their whole heart. They knew God, but yet they did not worship God. And in that, God abandoned them. Like that really is, is a horrible picture of being separated from God. And yet these people think that somehow they're living for God. They keep going their way, and yet they do not know God. And yet we're told here in this scripture that that's what we are to grow in, the knowledge of his love. That our roots grow down deep. That, again, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The love of God, the sacrifice of his son Jesus, the simple message of the gospel that Jesus came and in coming he freed us so that we would be restored back to God. This picture of restoration like when I think about death and I think that each one of us would take our final breath and that we would have to give an account to God. What would we say the day we stand before him? If you give thought to that. That Paul's prayer here is for spiritual growth as we're reading through Ephesians 3. Are you growing spiritually? Are your roots growing down deep? Are you really grasping the fullness of his love for you? Or are we still making excuses? Are we still just, are we still just playing games? Or, or do, is the reality of his love and his truth really gripped our hearts? Not just for our sake, but for the sake of others. Are we sharing the gospel? He says, may you experience the love of Christ Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all the generations forever and ever. Amen. Again, we see here, in verse 20, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish far more 
than what we might ask or think. It's God doing it in and through us. It's God accomplishing his purpose. And we see this all throughout scripture. God's purpose, even from the beginning. To have a people that he will call his own, and then in return they will call him their God. That they would live faithfully as unto him and not as unto themselves. That truly to live a life that is born again of a new nature. Of a nature that is growing in the understanding and the knowledge of God's love. Remember we've talked about this many times that that people are quick to talk about God's love. That they're quick to say, God loves me. God's love, God's love. And somehow that's where they're okay to stay. But have you ever really, even for yourself, asked yourself truly what God's love is? And I challenged you all before, just don't stop at saying God's love and sharing God's love with people and not introduce them to Jesus. Because if it was God's love that was all that was going to save us and make us right with him, then he wouldn't have sent Jesus. The expression of God's love is Christ. It's Jesus. Remember, it's because of his love that he gave his one and only son. It's that simpleness of the gospel that changes the hearts and lives of rebellious people. See, you were once dead in your trespasses, in your sin, in your rebellion. But because of Jesus, because Jesus came and and, and, and did what was purposed for him to do in his obedience, he gained the victory over sin and death. And in that, those who've accepted him, those who believe in him, those who are willing to lay their lives down and be, allow him to pick them up and transform them, then they're no longer a slave to sin. They are now transformed by God's love through Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus, you can have the knowledge of God's love. But remember what I said earlier in Romans 1, these people knew God and yet God abandoned them to what they wanted. The Bible says he turned them over to what they craved. And I go, wow. God help us in this generation as we see the, the deception growing more and more and more. And people, the level of, of people being deceived in the church and out the church is at an all-time high. And it's going to continue until the day he returns. And that's why as the body of Christ, we need to be, as Paul is praying here, growing spiritually to really mature in how we're living and not depending on ourselves, but depending upon him. So we gotta make excuses, stop, we gotta stop making excuses for our sin. We gotta stop making excuses for the, the ways that we're going. No, we've got to grasp the fullness of his love because when we grasp the fullness of his love, the word of God just told us that our roots grow down deep and we're able to stand and to keep strong. He goes on here in chapter four. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. Think about that, y'all. This is Paul. 
This is a man that, in, 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 before he came to Christ, he was a, he hated Christians. He was rounding them up. He was imprisoning them. He wanted to, to, to stop the work and, and the teachings of Christ, but yet he had a Damascus Road experience. And his life forever changed. And now he's sitting in prison and he's writing to the churches, specifically the one that we're reading through today, this letter to Ephesus. And listen to what his plea is. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. You have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together, look at this, with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, who was over all and in all and living through all. Live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. I've shared with you before and I continue to encourage us, what you receive, give. I believe what, what trips us up in our walk with God and, and maintaining the, the fullness of what he has for us is that we, we neglect the understanding of his love for us. How great is his love for you that he would send his one and only son to free you from yourself, from your rebellion towards him. Like he's giving you the opportunity to live right now to live right, to honor Him, to obey Him, to love Him. You know, the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Like, love the Lord your God because He first loved you. Like, have you really given thought to the fact that you were in complete rebellion to God or <laughs> that you're still in rebellion to God, you shouldn't be, especially if you're calling yourself a Christian. Like there is a way in which we are called to live. You've been called by God. Live that life. And look at some of the examples he gives. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient. Make an allowances for each other's thoughts because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit Binding yourselves together with peace. And we've discussed peace here many times. You know, Jesus himself says, peace I leave you. Peace I give you. That peace is wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And as long as you keep seeing yourself broken 
is as, 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 as the long is about it's the time that you would continue to remain rebellion because when you're broken you rebel because you're hurt but if you can see yourself whole in Christ when you can see yourself in the fullness of what he has established for you you're not going to rebel any longer you're going to have such a peace that no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what's going on all around you, you would have this peace that surpasses all understanding because you're now making decisions differently now. I'm not making decisions based on my brokenness or my past and my place of, of rebellion. No, now I'm learning to make decisions out of this place of wholeness, out of this place of peace that I only can obtain through Christ. And I can live a life that is worthy because of what Christ has done for me. So teach me, Holy Spirit. I don't want to keep making the same decisions that just keep getting me, having me go around and around and around and around. But no, God, I know that you are for me and not against me. And Scripture becomes truth for you. And you begin to walk differently. You begin to act differently. You begin to think differently because you're taking thoughts captive. No, that's how I used to think. No, that's how I used to do. But that's not who I am anymore because I'm a new creation in Christ because of his love for me because of his love for me and I can live a life that is worthy to honor God in a day and age where we, where, where we see such craziness going on are we honoring God with our lives because people around us should see that we should be the light we should be, we should be the hope that's, that's, that's among the darkness we don't have to be acting like them. We don't have to be going along with them. No, we're to be the light. And we talked about that last week. We're to be the light. We're, we're to be living it. Because this is what we believe. This is whom we're saying we're putting our hope in and our faith in. So in so, live a life worthy of that. And remain united. <clears throat> He goes on in this picture of unity. He goes on in verse 7. How, however, he has given us, each of us, a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scripture says, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that he says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens, so that, look at this verse, he might fill the entire universe with himself. Wow. Christ, you all. Christ, the Son of God. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we might be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be the immature, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth, look at this, in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. 
He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, oh my goodness, is healthy and growing and full of love. The church, you all. The church. Jesus tells tells the disciples, I have to go away so that he will come. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And that he will come and he would build the church. He would be the teacher. He would be the guide. He would not teach or lead people adrift from Jesus' teaching. No, he comes to confirm what Jesus has already established to empower the church to, to, to do the works of Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit does. So I really want to challenge us. Are you doing the works of Christ? Like day in and day out. It just can't be when we're together. Or when, okay, now I feel like I want to. No, it's a lifestyle. It's who you're becoming. Because apart from that, then I'm not quite sure what you, what you have received. If your life isn't conforming to the image of Christ, to, to the purpose of Christ, to the works of Christ. He gives these gifts so that the body is being built up. And that's why I've always encouraged you about the church. The church is, 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 is a special gift because we're giving each other so that we can encourage, to edify, and to build each other up to go forth into a darker world to burn bright. And look what he says here. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Do you remember what we talked about scripture? How are they going to know we belong to Jesus? By our love for one another. Not our love for the world. Not our love for the lost. But our love for each other. In fellowship. Because we're growing in that. We're maturing in that. All, everyone's doing their part. You've been around me. You probably heard me say this. You need to be a healthy, functioning member of the body of Christ. If not, you're hindering us. You're hindering what God wants to do among us. Like you need to be a healthy, fully functioning member of the body of Christ. And now some people say, oh, then I have to be perfect. No, it's not about being perfect. But it's about maturing it's about, wait a minute, no, I, I once was this way, and now I'm this way, and I'm growing, and, and I'm getting there. And, and we're, again, we're making allowances for each other's faults, but we're not excusing the behavior. <laughs> but we're encouraging, we're edifying each other, reminding each other, no, we once were, but this is who we are now. And it's because of Christ. And if you're struggling in an area, you're struggling because you're still trying to do it in your own strength. We've got to encourage each other to start laying things down and growing. And what does it look like to walk in the Spirit? What does it look like truly to be healthy and fully functioning in the gifts in which God has given us? Because each of us have a gift, if not more. (laughs) But in that, we have the same calling, and that's to reconcile those who are apart from God to God. To tell the message of Jesus. To share the simple gospel to draw people to Christ however God will use us and we're all different parts of the body and we all need each other you just can't rely on one or two people no it has to be all of us collectively doing this together it's the body as a whole 
he goes on and says here in verse 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Live no longer as those who are lost. Listen to that. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. He's writing to the church, you all. He's reminding the church of her identity. And we see that throughout the New Testament. The church is constantly being reminded, stop living how you used to live. That is not who you are. You're not honoring God. And if you continue to live that way, then you've been deceived. And God will eventually abandon you to what you desire because you're not honoring God. And that's not the message we hear preached. What's being established in our generation is this weird, everyone's included. And yet we don't see that in Scripture. We don't see that in Scripture. And yet it's an easier message to preach because everyone loves the sense of belonging. Remember, if it was just God's love, then there would have been no need for Jesus. No, because of his love, he gave. It's because of his love, he sent his son. There had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a payment. Someone had to pay the price, and Jesus paid the price so that we can be reconciled back to God. And he's telling the church, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles, those who were separated from God. He reminds them their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. And look what he says here. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. He's reminding them, no longer live like the Gentiles, those who are separated from God. Stop making excuses for your sin in your life. Stop doing the things you're doing. Because that is not what you learned about Christ. That's not the message of Christ. The message of Christ is freedom. The message of Christ is that he has defeated sin and death. Romans 6 says, What then shall you say? Shall you continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Don't you know that if you died with him, you've been raised up with him into a new life? There's a new way to live. 
And Paul's reminding them, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. Stop going that direction. Stop making the the decisions out of that brokenness, out of that place of separation from God, because that is not who you are any longer. You are a new creation. You are made whole. You are made complete, all because of what Christ accomplished. So in this understanding, throw off your old way of living, because it is corrupted by lust and deception. And he doesn't stop there. He says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So you throw off the old way. You remind yourself, that is not who I am. Who I am. I am now living in Christ. I am now a new creation. I am putting on a new way of thinking. It says there, I'm allowing my mind to be made renewed. I have a new way of thinking. I have a new attitude. I'm putting on a new nature. Remember what the Bible says? How does He transform us? By changing the way we think. By changing the way we, we think. Our minds are being renewed. He goes on, and so with this understanding, so stop telling lies. That is, tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work, good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be of an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That simple message of the gospel, you all. And yet we make it so hard. And yet we want to keep holding on to our old selves, to our old ways, because you just don't understand. I have a right to act this way. I have a right to be this way. I have a right because this was done to me. That's your sad story. And you want to live continuing out of that place of brokenness, well, then you're living out of that place of rebellion. And you can say, you can fool yourself and say, well, God understands. Well, yeah, God understands, and he understands. That's why he sent Jesus. He doesn't understand. That kind of just makes it an excuse for you to remain that way. Because you're to be living in the image of God. You're to be, you're to be identifying with Christ. You're, you're to be living differently now. So it is a way that you throw off your old self. It is a way that you remind yourself, I'm not going that direction anymore. I've been enslaved in that for however long you've been enslaved to it. But I'm a new creation. I'm learning how to, to learn a new way. I'm gaining ground, going a totally different direction because of Christ, because of his, because of his love for me. 
that I can live differently. That I can get rid of all the bitterness and the rage and the anger and the harsh words and the slander. That my life is to be made renewed. That I, I'm, I'm to be different and people ought to see that difference. And if people aren't seeing that difference, then there's a problem in what we're saying we believe. God's love. He goes on and says, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Again, this is a letter to the church. Imitate God and just some of the things. No, no, he said, in everything you do. See, we're growing, we're maturing. We're not there, nor will we ever arrive. But remember, in that, that doesn't give us the license to continue to sin. It doesn't give us the license to continue to go our way. Because you remember Abraham? And as we're going to be studying through the Bible, men and women throughout generations have lived a life as unto God, trusting Him, not giving in to what's around them, honoring God, living by faith, and they've impacted the world around them. Paul is in prison because he's sharing a message of love. Think about that. He's charged with sharing Christ's message. He's been beaten. He's been locked up. You remember that one city he goes into? They beat him to the point of death. They drag him out of the city, leave him to die. And then he gets up and he goes right back into the city to preach the gospel. What compels a man for a woman to do that the love of God because he remembers what it's like to be a captive enslaved to sin and he has a desire to see freedom in the lives of others and he's being shackled in a prison because of the message of love go out there and talk about the simple gospel go talk about Jesus you're not going to be welcomed by everybody to some, you will be a fragrance of life. To others, you would be a stench of death. Because mankind would rather hold on to their own desires. Give me just a little bit of Jesus. Give me just a little bit of God. But that's not what God came to do. God came to give you the fullness of who he is. That your life would be transformed. That you're not waiting to heaven for the newness of life. No, you have it here and now. He's saying to them, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear, dear children, live a life filled with love. There's that word again. <laughs> Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Live that way, you all, he says. And he's given these instructions on how we to live, how we're to live, because he understands that the Spirit has been given. Remember the Bible says, if you walk habitually in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you 
Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Look at this, what he's saying here. This is how you used to live. This is how you live now. We read earlier where it says that let the words come out of your mouth be words of encouragement to build others up. Not to tear down. Oh, you know, I just have to. No, you don't have to. You choose to. No one forces you. Every choice, everything you do, you choose to do. It's not because of what's happening around you or to you or in you. No, you choose either to live as one whom Christ has come and freed or to live as one who is still in rebellion towards him. You give yourself rights, but as a Christian, you have no rights. The Bible is very clear. You're dead to yourself. Like you've nailed the passions of this world to the cross. Your interest in the world is nailed to the cross and the world's interest in you is dead. Like you're a new creation now. Because of God's love, because Jesus came, because Jesus accomplished what he set forth to do, you live differently now. You're a new creation how crazy it is to go proclaim Jesus and what he's accomplished and yet your life not be transformed. To me, that's the greatest deception. And that's what the enemy does. He comes in to deceive God's people. Oh yeah, it sounds good. It sounds like a nice message. You know, it's for someone else, but not for me. What, what kind of craziness is that? No, it is for you. It is for you. He's called you as his own. Like you belong, if you're a Christian, to Christ. And there's a way in which you're to live. You're not to live as you once lived. Because listen here in verse 5. You can be sure that no immoral, no impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. He's writing to the church. You can be sure if you continue to go the way you're going, you're not inheriting the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. There is a way in which you are to live. There is a way in which you are to live an honorable life as unto God. He goes on here. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Listen to that, verse 6. There will be those among you who will make excuses for the way they continue to live. That continue to do and live like those who are lost, sitting in the church. And he says here, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on them, all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. Why? Look at verse 8. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Think about that. Paul is laying out this understanding. You can't keep going the way you're going. Like I'm chained up for the gospel. For the message that I preached to you all. 
the encouragement in which I give you all, I am now chained up for. Live a life worthy of the gospel, of the simple message of Christ. Let your light so shine in the darkened world. You're not to live as unbelievers any longer. No, you are a believer now, so be transformed. Allow the process of sanctification to to continue in your life. Don't grow hardened to the things of God. Don't turn from God. No, press into the things of God. Grow in God's love. Allow your roots to grow down deep. Allow your life to to impact the world around you for Christ. You can't keep going this direction. You can't keep living this way. This is the way to live. And understand this, if you keep going this way, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And be careful. Don't let others that are influencing you, excusing their sins, make you think it's okay because God's wrath is going to fall on them. You were once full of darkness, But now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. For this light within you produces what is good and right and true. Carefully determine, he says here, what pleases the Lord. Do you give thought to that? We read earlier, not to live a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. But carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. But like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Paul's even addressing in his days the darkness. As it is until Christ returns, the world is growing darker and darker. So don't live like a fool, those who say there is no God. (laughs) But live like one who is wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Think about that. Think about your days. Are you giving thought? Remember we talked last week about living on purpose, that every step that we take should have a purpose? Every step that you take should have a purpose? So don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Living by the Spirit's power. Be careful then how you're living. Be careful then how you're living. When I think about life and we're here just for a moment, we're but a breath. Here today, gone tomorrow. 
Are you really giving thought to how you're living? When you think of the simple message of Jesus, we were once set apart from God because of our rebellion. But because of God's great love for us, he gave his son. And in giving his son, Jesus willingly laid his life down so that we could be reconciled back to God. Not anything of our own doing, but all of what he did because of his great love for us. So we give thought to that. Think upon that daily, you all. God's love. God's love. His love for you and me that he gave Jesus the hope, the hope in Christ to be restored back to God. You weren't created for the temporalness of life. You were created for eternity with God. And your eternity either will be with God or it'll be eternity separated from God. But why would you choose his wrath over his love? Why would you choose to continue to, to go your way when he has revealed his way? Why do we choose to continue to, to, to give in to our desires and our, our, our destruction when he has given us his desire and his wholeness? I want to close in Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Again, we find that our strength is only in Christ. Find in love ourselves. It's in his power. Just put on the whole armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So he's reminding the church, listen, realize where your opposition is coming from. Your opposition and your problem is not with man. Your opposition is with the ruler and those authorities and those powers in the heavenly realm. Satan himself. The great deceiver. Think about that. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He's a deceiver. His purpose is to deceive you. His purpose is to take you captive, keep you ignorant, and lead you to destruction with himself. And yet, Jesus is saying, don't go that way. He's defeated. I've already defeated him. Come this way. Live this way now. Honor me. Allow my victory to, to be lived through your life so that all creation will see my great love. Like we are his messengers now. 
like we go forth now in love to bring the message of hope and the resistance. Hell itself presses up. But remember what Jesus says. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Like the Bible is very clear. Yet though the enemy presses in, he cannot crush us. He knows his time is near. And that's why we see the greater deception taking place. More and more and more and more. Just look what's happening in our world, you all. Truth. And if you don't have if you haven't opened up your eyes, I pray that your eyes would be open. We see the battle right before us. We see such great deception trying to gain ground, but we're living in the hour where we see truth pushing back. And, and it's in and, and, and this false narrative of life is being exposed. And yet, people are still going that way. I believe we have such a, a, a time that God is moving, and I believe that there will be a great awakening. But in that great awakening, I truly believe there's going to be a great destruction because two forces are colliding, darkness and light. But light has already won. But this earth, though, we know because we've read the end of the book, this earth, though, is going to fade away. It's going to be destroyed. So we don't give in to fear. We don't give in to intimidation. No, we go forward each day with our steps purpose, giving thought to our actions and honoring God. And we recognize that our strength is not in of ourselves, but it is in God. And then we can put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Some of us are wasting our time fighting against flesh and blood, fighting others. Your battle is not with them. Your battle is in the heavenly realms. He goes on, therefore, put, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from God. I'm sorry, from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the firing arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Stay alert, you all. Stay alert. The simple message of the gospel is what you've been given to go live now. Not in your own strength, but in His. We are going to get back into our study and we're going to go through the Bible. And we're going to be in the Old Testament new and kind of move around. But I'm hoping as I, we draw back to our study that we truly wouldn't just let it just be words that fall on deaf ears. Know that we would truly see that this is the living word of God. This is the revelation of Christ. This is the revelation of God's plan from the beginning. That he would have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God and live as such. 
And these are the examples of the lives of men and women that we will read that live that way. That they called God their God and they honored him with their life. They weren't perfect. But they lived what they believed. And that's what I was challenging y'all last week. To live it out. Yes, there's still growth needed in all of us. And praise God for that. But we grow by allowing our roots to grow down deep into his love. To remember the, remember the fullness of Christ and the expression of love that was made when he laid his life down for us. Our city is, is in a time of mourning again as we reflect on what happened a year ago at Pulse. There's a lot of hurting people within our community that need to hear about Jesus. There's a lot of people that we have an opportunity just as we step out our front door that we can connect with. Some again, they won't see you. They won't, they won't see it as, 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 as a message of love. And that's fine because not everyone is going to heaven. Not everyone is going to receive Christ. So, so don't get offended because people don't receive what you're trying to share with them. Just move on. Respect them. They deserve respect. Everyone has a right to let however they want. But to others, you will be a fragrance of life, a sweet fragrance of hope. And as you connect with those, encourage them. Live your life before them. Share the gospel with them. You may harvest them. You, they may be at a place where they're going to receive Christ. Disciple them. Get them involved in the church community. Or maybe you're there just to plant the seed. Maybe you're there just to water the seed. Whatever it is, just be diligent to live your life shining bright in the darkness of this generation so that others would come to know him. There is freedom in Christ, you all. The word says, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Any of us can make choices to continue to go our way, to do what we want to do, to live however we want. And that's your choice. But don't end up being like those in Romans 1, where God just turned them over to their desires. And the word that the Bible uses is that he abandons them. He gives them up to what they want. And the Bible says they knew God, but they chose not to worship God. Let that not be said about us. Let that not be said, you all. When I think of the years that I've walked with Christ and the many years that, you know, there's times where I wanted to throw my hands up. There's times where I just wanted to do me and just do whatever. But when I think of his love, that can't help but be compelled just to even be drawn even closer to him. Because God, how could you love a man who in his heart hated you? And yet you draw me to yourself. Like his love for you. Like you were in complete rebellion towards him. And yet he loves you. You were just as vile and wicked. And yet God says, I love you. And my love for you, I'm going to lay my life down for you. And that's the message that you're responding to as a Christian. 
You're responding to that great love being displayed on the cross. You're responding to that hope that comes from the power of his resurrection, the newness of life that he gives us. So that, even though it sounds simple, when Paul says, throw off the old nature, put on the new nature, and sometimes we make it so hard, but in reality, it is that picture. Just throw it off. Remind yourself of who Christ is, what he's accomplished in his great love for you. And then go out and live it in front of everyone else. Don't keep going your way. No, go the way of love. Amen? I'm going to play this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer. You're me with a man.